Welcome to episode 41 of the Different Doctor Same Old Shit podcast. Each week we watch a story. You know by now, guys, based on Doctor Order, and we dissect it. Uh, I'm Mo from France, and to my west, it's the delightful, charming, and wonderful Dr. L. How you doing, Doc? I'm very well. Um, it's Friday evening, mm-hmm. and I know you've had a bit of a pig of a day. Um, I've had... Not a pig of a day, Doc. Just a super, super busy day. In that case... Um, we're kind of in the same boat. I've had a yeah. super busy day as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's over now. Yeah, it is. Lovely it listeners, is. we're on a bit of a time budget this evening. We are. So um, we're not going to skip any sections, but we might end up going a bit more brusquely through some of them. That's right. Than yeah, do. that's right. Um, well, you know, ju- just to be clear, I've had to watch the episode at kind of faster than normal speed just to fucking get it in so if i'm speaking a bit more quickly it's just because i've tuned into that frequency (laughs) (laughs) so um shall we shall we get started well let's go no corrections by the way um would you that's just happenstance that's just happenstance you know that that is not by design um what we've been watching doc Have have you watched anything of note um, it's been one of my weeks when I haven't been watching anything at all. I've been a listen. I've been on a listening and reading kick this week. Fair enough. Um, as you'll remember from the evening before last, um, I am in a exotica, ancient and modern mm. mode at the moment. Uh, the other night it was from some some ancient exotica from the nineteen fifties. This week it's been some from the um, from the late two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, so from I, I'd, I'd say 2008, 2009, and I've been listening to it to accompany my reading of a wonderful book by Duke University Press um, that I can't remember the title of at the moment, but I will put in the corrections for the next episode, which is all about exotic culture. Lovely. Um, or exotica culture. Um, sure. And really enjoying reading the book. Um, there's... There's a few bits of scare quote politics in it, which I'm going to pick up on point number one, when we've got more time in an episode, and point number two, when I finish the damn book. Fair enough, Doc. Yeah, yeah. Once you, um, once you, as the French would say, arrive at the end, you let us know, Doc, and, and, and inform us all about it. Um, I'll be watching nothing sci-fi, nothing horror, Nothing genre. What I've been watching is something pretty fucking mainstream, Doc. I've been watching The Apprentice. I like The Apprentice. Um, I always watch it, but I'm, what I always do is what is what I've done this year as well. Is I wait until you get kind of three or four episodes in, um, and then I kind of binge watch the first three or four, um, and, and then kind of pick it up week by week. I, I just like right. I like to get to know the the individuals 
in, in, in like a blitz at the start. Bring me back from the edge, mate. Bring me back from the edge God before done. I get too far. God, please promise me you don't watch it because you find it inspirational. Oh, certainly. Oh, for fuck's sake, no, doc. <laughs> right, you know, no, no, fuck me. In fact, <laughs> no, oh, fucking hell, no, no. Oh Christ! In fact, I, I, I was imagining earlier today um, as I was as, as, as I was working, um, and my mind was. My brain was leaking out of my ears because I was bored of moving one crate from here to there. Um, I, I imagined a poster where you had like the apprentice, like the, the, the in, in in that logo, and then the back, like the London backdrop. You've got Alan Sugar um, in the background, actually, and then all of the contestants, the, you know, the candidates, I think they call them in the foreground and then underneath the tagline a cavalcade of bellends you know and just <laughs> have, that as, have that as the, the, you know the, the promotional campaign on the side of london buses yeah isn't there functionally any difference between alan sugar and piers morgan um <laughs> um oh i mean what a question i mean alan sugar doesn't generally spout his political opinions i suppose but i mean aren't, aren't they pay, aren't they people who are assholes for a living like that that's what they do that's what they do for a living I they should have assholes <laughs> um, <laughs> um sugar lord sugar please if you will um if, lord sugar duck um I, I buy your I, I I bought your I bought your stuff. You work for me, you twat. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's all it, it's all scripted. He turns up in the studio, and you've got this cavalcade of bellends in front of him, and he <laughs> delivers his lines, and they all kind of simper and scrape and bow. Um, and, and you know, just like a, a, a sycophantic ooh, kind of group. What, what, what could you call? What, what could the collective noun for a group of apprentice candidates be? You know, you got like murder of crows and etc. Yeah. What, what could um, a collective like like a like a simpering of candidates or something? I don't, I don't know what it could be. You carry on. Um, I'll get close to it. You carry yeah, good, on. Good, good. You think about it. Um, um, carry on. Ca carry on telling me about it. Um, while uh, just in in honour of today's episode, um, I just intone quietly. I am the ghost of Clive Sinclair, and I <laughs> want what's mine, you fucker. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah. Um, last week's episode four, which was last week's episode. Um, was all about fishing. Um, and so they went and got some fish and then tried to sell some fish <laughs> and generally couldn't sell any fish. <laughs> it's great, Doc, honestly. <laughs> I must have sold it to you with that description, surely. <laughs> um, I mean, I... I... The only episode... The, the, the only part of that um, I want to see um, is where they have... Um, apprentice fighting dog trainers, yeah, um, and the apprentice fighting dog trainers get to demonstrate their skills by setting their Staffordshire Bull Terriers on Alan Sugar. 
Well, well, I like the idea of like a fish-based episode. Let, let, let's say that they've got the book because sometimes they do go abroad. Let's, but generally in Europe. But, but let's imagine they've got the budget and they and you know they go to fucking um, I don't know. Let's say Mexico. And what they do, you know, they they they, they kind of chum up the water. And yeah, attract yeah, the fucking big, yeah. attract the big fish, and then the candidate that gets fired, they just fucking chuck him off the back of the boat. You know, That'd be yeah. absolutely great. You know, it, um, it brings to mind a great Frankie Boyle joke, um, where he's talking about um, Big Brother, and he said, he said, he said, what I think should happen is when the candidates get evicted, they leave the room. And all the other people in the house here is a single gunshot. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to part one of the show. We call this TARDIS Talk. It's topic of the week. Um, Doc... Give me a number between one and nine, if you would. Before I would, the collective noun for a group of apprentices. So I've, I've tried to think of um, like an agglomeration of something loathsome and toxic all in one place. Fair enough. Um, I think a cancer of apprentices would a be a really cancer good one. of apprentice. A cancer of candidates. Even it even alliterates. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. There we go. A okay, cancer go. of candidates. Doc. You've earned your you've earned your uh, you've earned your forty nine pound fee for this evening's episode. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, um, number two, please. Number two, okey Why do people watch the first and last episode of a show they never otherwise watch? And this is backed up by viewing figures, Doc. What the fuck's going on? I can imagine if I was 90% certain that um, it really wasn't for me mm-hmm. and I wanted to give something more than zero chance and I wanted to be able to join in the office conversation. Um, office conversation about television, by the way, I don't think exists anymore. That's another story. That's like the water cooler conversation you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Um, I, don't th- I, I don't think that exists anymore. But mm-hmm. if you want to not be completely left out and you want... And, and you want to give the thing a more than zero chance. Mm. Uh, yeah, I can see why you might watch episode one. Um, and then you just want to know how it ends. Um, I used to do this when confronted with books in English literature and sometimes yeah. in philosophy that I really didn't want to read. And sometimes I'd go, I'd, um, I'd read the introduction and I'd read the overview and then I'd skip straight to the conclusion. Isn't that different, Doc? Because it, you, you're kind of doing that for a course, for for study. You're kind of obliged to, aren't you? But it's the same thing. I'll get, um, your, I'll get your point about the first episode. I, people, I, I, I take that. But yeah. if you've decided this show isn't for me, I've tried episode one, why would you then come back for episode fucking eight or 13 or 24, whatever it happens to be? What's going on? Um, uh, so I think it's the exact same thing. I think yeah. you want, like, you, it's, I don't really want to read all the way through John Locke, um, but I want to know what the conclusion, you know, um, I want to know where it's coming from and I want to know where it's going. But why do they care where it's going? 
if they've got no interest in it. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of something I've watched one episode of. Let's say something like, I don't know, Supergirl. You know, the 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 the, the, the terrible, terrible show on is it the CW now or something like that in America. Watched the first episode, I thought, this is crap. I'm not going to watch it anymore. I didn't then go and watch episode 22. Um, I just think it's... I think it's almost a bit of payback. Mm. I think it's it, it's it's almost a bit of karmic payback for the first episode that you didn't enjoy. Right. Um, well, it's... I can think of a whole bunch of reasons, none of which are rational, but then since when, have you, when has human behaviour ever been rational? Mm-hmm. Um, if I knew that I would be incapable of running a marathon in any kind of respectable time, there's a part of my deeply childish imagination that wants to start, then jump in a car and have someone drive me the 26 miles, jump out of the car and then run across the finish line just so I can have my photo taken across <laughs> the finishing. Um, yeah. it, it, there's, there's just a very, very deeply infantile part of my imagination that wants to do that. Mm. Um, I know I'm not fooling anybody and I'll be trapped out in seconds. Um, but I started the fucking thing, so I want my photo taken, finished, uh, uh, finishing it. It's, um, it's really interesting you say that, Doc. Uh, hold, that, hold that thought, because that brings... Me and, my, me, me and my housemates, we were having a conversation yesterday and we were talking about kind of like the um, like selfie generation, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, I've, I've got no real problem. With, 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 you know, what, what does anybody care? Who fucking cares what, what you do with your own face and your own camera? You know, uh, you're not obliged to look at it. What do you give a fuck? But then they, they, they related a story which really kind of made me go, Jesus Christ, people behave like this. Um, they were at a Slayer gig. The last ever Slayer gig in Britain, um, and <clears throat> they said they were standing next to this guy. He looked bored out of his fucking. The, the, the band hadn't started by this point, by the way. It's kind of waiting for the gig to start, and this guy just looked like bored out of his fucking mind. Whatever, and 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 they said they watched him. He, he took out his phone, and he kind of put it up to his face. Obviously, like inverted the. The cameras, the, the, you know, the so that the the lens that's pointed at him is, is the one towards his face, like the selfie. I, I can't even use words, Doc, because I'm too old. But you, but you take the point. <laughs> you take the point I'm making. Um, and and he kind of pulled this like excited face, did like the fucking devil horns, and looked like he's having a wild time. And he got like a Slayer logo in the background, and then hit 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 the um 
take the photo button and then kind of back to looking like sullen and bored. So it's, so it's this level of artifice, isn't it, man? I know there are now numerous, like, the, the, there's, there's now a, a cottage industry scale small business um, where you can visit, I presume, what used to be like mom and pop photo studios where people would go to have their portraits taken. Yeah. And what they will now do is using your cell phone, um, they will have you stand in front of a back projection of a, 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 an exotic locale where you'd like to pretend that you'd be. Mm, like the pyramids or Eiffel yes. Tower, something like that, yeah. Um, <laughs> probably more like uh, the Burj Khalifa or... Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, nowhere you'd actually want to go. Yeah. Easter Island, um, man. Those fucking heads. Jesus um, Christ. Imagine standing next to I'd shit myself, though. I'd shit myself. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and I think it's quite a canny move on behalf of the, all those little photo studios who must be damn near out of business by now. Yeah, sure. Olin Mills um, in, uh, in, in the bridge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, the fact that people will pay money to pretend that there was somewhere where they weren't. Mm-hmm. It's a terrifying, um, a terrifying glimpse into so, a dystopian uh, future. Oh, you're talking about uh, the the first episode and the last episode. Um, it's so the, there's a deeply infantile part of me that can understand that desire to. Um, I've started this thing, so I'm going to finish it, and then I can bluff the middle. And uh, and, and if, if if I'm in company that, that demands it socially, I can pretend I watch the whole thing, because all I have to do is is lean consistently on the first episode and the last episode. That's right. Yeah. Um. And I think I think people just want closure. That people just like closure. If they've started a thing, people just don't like it tailing off inconclusively. It, it, it just baffles me though, because it, if, if you're not into it, you're not into it, and and and, and you just move on with your life, man. There's there's plenty. There's 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 more stuff available than you can possibly digest in your life. So why are you focusing on something that you palpably do not like? I'm trying to make excuses for a sentiment that I've never felt. I know, I know. Um, but that, that, that's the nature of, of this but, um, part of the part of the show, isn't it? Here's 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 my last attempt. Yeah, go on. Um, you might not like the first episode, but you might the la- you might la- you, you might watch the last episode, and the last episode might be really good, and you really yeah. want to know how it got there. Oh, um, fair enough. That is possible. It would, make, it would make more sense to be to pick one out of the middle. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that's my best guess. Fair enough, Doc. The world's full of fucking idiots. That, that, you know, that, that's my conclusion. <laughs> um, I do my best to be tolerant to the eccentricities of others. I know, I know. <laughs> um, guys, you can contact us uh, by email, differentdocsos at gmail.com, Twitter at sosdifferent, and of course, the ever, ever popular Facebook page, mo.moses.1048. <laughs> Get it down, you lips. Ready to move on, Doc. Absolutely, I am, yeah. Jenkins? Watch out for the wings there. Five rounds rapid. (laughs) 
Welcome to part two of the show, which we call Five Rounds Rapid. Uh, today's story is, of course, The Unquiet Dead, written by Mark Gattis, Gatis, or Gatis. I'll <laughs> go with the third one, Doc, because I know it's not correct. Um, directed by... Now, you've had, to, you've had to help me with the pronunciation here before, Doc. You, is it Euros? Um, I, I've never heard this guy's name pronounced. Um, the singer from Gorky Zygotic Monkey. Oh, yeah. Who was also Welsh and Welsh, named yeah. not the same way. Um, he, uh, he called himself Eros. Eros, fair enough. So, Eros Lynn uh, is the director. Music, uh, Murray Gold. Main cast, of course, Christopher Eccleston as uh, the Doctor. Billy Piper as Rose. Alan David as Gabriel Sneed. Uh, Simon Callow as Charles Dickens. Um, Jennifer Hill as Mrs. Peace. Um, Eve Mills is Gwyneth, they're the main ones, aren't they? Um, Doc, can I start? Koshka. Did you understand the story? Could you, I mean, could you explain, you know, if if you were pressed, could you explain precisely what was happening? Because I couldn't. Um, I've got a sarcastic answer to that. Um, Which I'll come to later because I... When I do, I want to ask you if I'm flogging a dead horse with this. Fair enough, Because here's what, it's, it's something that stuck out a mile to me, and I want to know if this is widely understood in the law. Um, there are aliens who have been wiped, come close to being wiped out in some sort of time, in, in the time war, which got alluded to in the last episode. These are the geeth, aren't they? Have the yes. The geeth, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and they've lost their corporeal existence, and they're yeah. somehow able to 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 sustain uh, to um, sustain a non corporeal existence, sure. um, which makes them look a lot like ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found a rift, which we assume is a wormhole or a hole in time of some description, yeah. which they can slip through and just about make it to Victorian England. Um, and given a um, skilled or powerful enough medium, they can come to Earth en masse, and what they're asking for is to be provided with the bodies of the recently dead that they can set up house in. I think you're right. And to be honest, it kind of sounds like a reasonable request to me. Um, right. I need you to stop me um, if, if it turns out that like at the time um, this is what people thought. What stuck out, I mean, my, my Saki summing up of this plot, considering that it was the year 2005, um, was don't go feeling for sorry, don't go, don't go feeling sorry for those asylum seekers, they only want to take over. I really, I really, you interpreted like that, you know, like, like Danny Mail, like swarms of swarms of brown people are going to, you, you know, clamber up the, the white cliffs of Dover. Is that, is that kind of you interpret and, and, and they're going to try to convince you that they're just trying to get away from a war, but they're not. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Um, I, can't, no, I, I can't discount that, 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 that interpretation because I, th- I think it is valid. But, you know, I, I'm familiar with Mark. I can't believe that Mark Gattis would... I can't no. believe that Mark Gattis would do that. I, no. I, I can't believe he said it. I mean, 10 minutes from the end, um, I was just going, what a fantastic, like, what an absolutely fantastic solution. Um, 
the doctor has just made a really, really cold-blooded case for. There's these fucking corpses lying around mm-hmm. that are going to be put into in, into the ground, um, and uh, and this is like I'll, I'll come back to this a bit later as well. Um, it's almost like the mission statement of uh, the nation of Israel, isn't it? Um, bodies without souls for souls without bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought. Wow, um, something Doctor Who has never done. The closest it's ever got is the faceless ones. Mm-hmm. But something Doctor Who has never done before. The Doctor comes up with, or the Doctor assists in a beautiful, simple, elegant solution to stop an alien race from going extinct. Um, we really are in the new age. Um, this is the most staggeringly original thing I've seen Doctor Who do, maybe ever. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I was there with my jaw on my knees, um, just like salivating my my dreams of social progress made thre- uh, uh, made flesh. And wow, this really is something. But no, it turns out that, that the aliens are evil and they want to take over. And uh, I'll fuck off. <laughs> yeah, but, but because isn't the idea that they kind of pretend that there are like, only a few of them? But in fact, it's going to be like billions and billions of them, and they're going to need to start to kill people. They, they don't just want the dead bodies; they're going to have to kill people in order to provide enough dead bodies, right? And they want to go on the dole. <laughs> and they want to go on the dole as well. Yeah, yeah they're, they're going to take your fucking house, Doc. Um, you might think you might think it's only half a dozen starving children, but just the other side of the channel. Just the other side of the channel, there's 10 million of them. That's right, the floodgates. Where those floodgates open, Doc, there's no stopping them. I mean, there's um, there's an explicit reference to the fact that they want to claim the doll. One of them actually says, um, you know, we, uh, we we want your resource-rich world or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Is that your experience as a job centre, Doc, being like a resource-rich place? Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've told you this story once before, I, I, and I, I think this is actually rift on in train spotting um, mm. when they um, they give Spud some speed before an interview. He's That's right. he what a great scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck, Spud. Yes, cowboy. Now remember, what? if they think you're no trying, you're in trouble, right? First hint of that, and they'll be onto the DHSS. This cunt is no trying. And your gyro's fucking finished, right? Like, but then again, try too hard. You might get the fucking job. <laughs> exactly. Nightmare. It's a tightrope, Spud. It's a fucking tightrope. See, I just get pure shy with the interviewer cats. Like, I get all nervous and I can't answer any of the questions. Like, I'm a footballer and I get nerves it's on a big occasion, man. Try some of this, Spud. Yeah, a little dab of speed is just a ticket, man. No! I went to Craigie! Craig Newton! I just put down to Royal Edinburgh College to help get the job. There's too much discrimination in this tune, man. Because they're both schools, right? And we're all in this together. And I wanted to put across the general idea rather than the details. Like, people get all hung up on details. Like, which school did I go to? How many openings did I get? Could be like six, could be none. It's not important. What is important is that I am, yes? Mr. Murphy. Uh, I didn't take any drugs, but... um... On one occasion in my life, I went to the DSS to sign on, um, and I had to do the thing where um, you have to apply for two jobs at the same time as, as as you sign on. And the lady said, "You know, don't do what 
most people do and pick the worst looking job because you will get lumbered. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I picked out two decent looking jobs. Fast forward four hours um, and, the, and the telephone conversation finishes with, um, right then, you start tomorrow, see you then. Oh, Christ. I mean, it was my mistake. I went into a building that said job centre on the front. That's right. And you've had uh, a job in the your boss. This was yeah. this 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 was way post Thatcher. I didn't fucking expect to get one. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, Shit. I got football to watch. What are you, what are you thinking of? And I ended up being there for three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and they were nice enough to let me work part time while I did my master's degree. Mm-hmm. There we go. A, a, a lovely ending to that uh, otherwise kind of incredibly was, grim um, tale. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I don't actually believe anyone involved in the production of this telephone television program was that reactionary. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that could have been on their minds. No. On the other hand, was there nobody with a media studies degree hanging around mm-hmm. who read, who could have read that script and gone, you know what this looks like, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, it stuck out a bloody mile to me. Fair enough, and, Doc. But, 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 you're, but, but you, you must confess, you're always looking for this stuff. On this occasion, I, I, I wasn't. On this mm. occasion, I, I, like, what I wanted, what I was looking for, what I really badly wanted, um, was just for this, this, this beautiful solution um, mm-hmm. that they set up. Um, here's this alien race that you can help. Mm. All you have to do, all you, uh, I, and I thought this was going. To, I thought this was going to be the point of Charles Dickens being sure. in the story. Sure. I thought Charles Dickens was going to be the character who was going to help everyone get over the uh, over their squeamish quibbles. Um, I thought arch rationalist Charles Dickens was going to be the character who was going to say they're dead, they're going to rot, mm-hmm. no use to anyone. Why was Charles Dickens in it, Doc? What, what, what was the purpose of? Um... Of his character, I mean, obviously, but, but you know, besides the fact that it kind of grounds it in that particular point in time. But other than that, you know, what what, what was his purpose? Well, uh, you would think, wouldn't you? Um, if you're going to have Charles Dickens in a story, you would have him there to make some comment on some great social injustice, yeah, um, or to be the voice of rationality. Mm-hmm. Um. It's another one of these really, really odd situations. Um, if they'd wanted to mock the voice of the Victorian patriarchy, they probably shouldn't have done that by picking Char- picking on Charles Dickens as their whipping boy now, should they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a great, um, you know, like a famous uber-liberal, basically, for the time, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean... Um, a great sort of um, a great commentator on and confronter of social of, 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 of social problems. Yeah, and, um, and, you know, defender of the, you know, you know, I mean, you know, people are poor now, but you know, the, the at the time, like they're fucking utterly impoverished. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, and as to why he's there. Um, let's think about his role, and let's 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 compare let, let's compare and contrast him to the servant girl. She was a really interesting character to me, but, but particularly in her exchanges with Rose. Can you remind me of the name of that character? Is it, was that Gwyneth? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the fact 
that they introduced her as a kind of noble savage to be patronized like hell by Rose. Um, and I really, really like the fact that they had her stick up for the fact that by the standards of her own culture, um, by the standards of her own culture, being 19, she's not a little girl anymore. She's a grown woman and she has a job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, pointedly, of course, Rose at this point in her development is still a bit of a retarded adolescent and she doesn't have a job because the doctor blew her workplace up. Sure. Um, and I really like the fact that they, and modern liberal media and even Doctor Who now and in the past has a habit of doing this with characters who are otherwise exoticized. Um, so typically third world peoples will get a moment where they get, you know, a, you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't lived my life. Don't patronize me, but, um, which is fine. I really liked the fact um, that they gave that role and they gave that bit of self-assertion to the 19-year-old servant girl. Uh -huh. I'm really glad that they didn't make her a downtrodden nobody. And what I was dreading is that she was going to be a downtrodden nobody who was going to be there to be a damsel in distress and be rescued by Charles Dickens, the great champion of social justice. I'm so sure. glad they didn't do that. No, that, that, that did not happen. Uh, but, but, but I understand your fear there. Um, I thought she was a great character. I thought her she performance. Was a great character. Yeah, I, 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 I thought her performance was just really, really, really charming. Um, um, the interaction between you know her and Rose, I just, I just thought it was delightful. That really. Um, I mean, what I really, I really like the fact that I really like the fact that the two characters ended up for a little while at least dealing with each, dealing with each other as equals. Mm. Um, I'm really glad that Rose did, that the exchange didn't finish with Rose having the upper hand because um, she uses slightly rude words and she talks about um, fundamentally giving they gave that assertive noble savage role to exactly the right character. Yeah. Um, I'm just so very very glad they showed the servant girl as being a character with some agency and with and they, with with a low income but with a survivable income of her own sure. um i'm really glad they got beyond the cliche of she's an orphan yes yeah, so are many people but um i'm really glad they got beyond the idea of just of, of her just being abused and exploited by her boss mm -hmm. um and i'm really really glad that at the end of the conversation at, at the end of her character's life I'm unhappy they killed her, but at the end of her character's life, point number one, um, she'd been able to assert herself in the face of someone who she thought was a noble woman. Sure. Um, she'd been able to assert her folk religion. Because um, the whole point of the whole point of that middle section um, is that her borderline pagan peasant folk religion turns out to be right. Mm-hmm. Um, she thinks it's spiritualism, but it isn't. Um, but actually, it kind of is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I really like the fact, I just really like that about her character and about how the way they did. Um, 
it was it was dealt with really well. To me, that that kind of sent that that relationship between her and Rose was almost kind of like the highlight of the episode. To be honest, yeah. Um, and but I thought I, I still thought it was really really interesting when she had that line, and it's almost like the last moment she and Rose have together. Um, and she says something like, "You know, don't treat me like I'm stupid, even though you think I am." Sure. Oh yes. Oh, it's, 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 now you could interpret that two ways, couldn't you? You know, like an accusation or a chip on the shoulder. Which way do you go, Doc? Um, neither. Mm. Um, it's um, it's it's a correction. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a correction of one equal of, of, of one equal to another. Yeah. Um, it's not punching up. It's not punching anything at all. There's nothing remotely aggressive. Um, if you're serious about treating me as an equal, well, then accept this opinion of, of, as, of, like from, from one equal to another. Sure. I know yeah. you think I'm stupid, but I'm not. Yeah. Good, Doc. I thought there were some really, really great lines in here. Now, the, 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 the comedic lines don't... Not surprising, given that, you know, Mark Gatiz wrote it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I don't, I'm a massive fan of League of Gentlemen. You know, that, that, that's kind of in my top top 10 TV shows of all time. The things that can be done when you have good actors... Yeah. Um, Chris and Billy um, have just dropped so effortlessly into their roles by, by, by episode three. I mean, the relationship between them is, is great, isn't it, Doc? It's, 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 yes. just, it's, just, it's effortless, isn't it? I think that's the word I would use, effortless. Um, I'd never thought about it before. It's in the... It's the kind of relationship that um, Sylvester and Bonnie came within a hair's breadth of pulling off for about a split second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Delta and the Bannermen. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's it's this sort of you wouldn't even call it you wouldn't even call it the chemistry of a couple on their first date. It's even before that. Um, it's one of those relationships that could very easily go one of many different ways and, and it's 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 simultaneously student teacher um it's simultaneously like um avuncular and sororial mm-hmm. um and romantic and um i'm not going to say platonic do you find it romantic doc the the relationship between these the, these two because the, what one of the reasons i like the relationship between rose and this particular incarnation of the doctor is there seem to be no real threat of romance? Um, it's it's flirtatious the way yeah. that actual fucking adults who find each other attractive are. Well, you know, today at work, there's a lovely woman called, and you know, we flirt with each other all the time. I, I, I walked into the corridor, in, into a corridor, and she was she. There was another worker was very um, a male work, a male colleague was upset and she was hugging him and i and i, and I said to her like jokingly I, I, I said i thought i, I said i thought I was, I was the only one for you what's going on here you know it's just that flirtation between grown ups isn't it doc 
Yes, it's an, uh, this. This is going to be another point. Um, yes, it's the kind of behaviour that, at the turn of the nineties, the beginning of the two thousands, wasn't remotely unusual between grown adults who trusted each other, mm-hmm. um, and you don't do this with complete strangers, and you don't do this with people who have already signalled to you that they wouldn't like it. Exactly. Um, you respect their boundaries, but. Um, if someone clearly goes out of their way and puts in time and effort and money to make themselves beautiful, I'm going to compliment them. God, I almost like had a, a tearful nostalgia moment during those bits very early on because it's like grown-ups used to grown-ups used to interact with each other mm-hmm. like this all the time. Yeah, but here's the thing, Doc. Grown-ups still do in real life because i live in real life we're working with working class people and people still behave this way it's just this fucking media fucking toxicity that is trying to pretend it is not true um and the sideswipe of that is that um my self-preservation instinct um just constantly reminds me that doing that is not risk-free. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be fucking gutted if I misjudged a situation and I ended up hurting someone's feelings. Sure. Or making mm-hmm. someone... I, I would... Um, and I don't mean mock contrition. I would do whatever I could to be genuinely contrite and, 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 and make amends <clears throat> and make it clear to that person that I knew um, I got out of line and I've misjudged the situation and what can I do to put this right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but wishing to be risk averse, I, I wouldn't even put myself in that situation. I, I, I wouldn't even take that risk now. It's no way to live, man. No, fuck that, mate. Fuck that, mate. It's no way to live. Fuck that. No, I, I will not accept this path. Fuck that. I'm um, militant about this, man. But then, but then am I just, a th- I, I mean... I'm now referencing. I'm now referencing a program that's 17 years old, mm. um, and in my, uh, I, in my opinion, that program is referencing social and cultural mores that were already at least three years old by the time the program was. So we're talking about ways that people used to interact with each other 20 years ago. Um, stuff changes all the time, and mate, <laughs> mate you know, I, I, I you know, the second in command at my place is a, 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 a very, very beautiful woman. Looks like a boy. Beautiful. Like a proper tomboy. Absolutely good. No breasts. Wonderful. Um, and every time I... Not every time. From time to time, I will I will just tell her just how... I was, you look absolutely radiant today. You know? You look great. Um, fuck, fuck a world where you can't do that, mate. Fuck a world. I'd rather slit my throat, mate. Um, it's no fun, but... Come and get me. In... Come and get me. Come and get me, fucking... Thought, please. Fuck off. Not interested, mate. Um, I'm not remotely concerned about some mythologised thought police coming yeah. to get me. Yeah. Um, what I'm worried about is misjudging a situation so badly that... Um, I end up snarling in, 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 in a disciplinary action. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, fuck them, mate. Fuck them. That's my attitude. Fuck you. That's my attitude, mate. I'm totally militant, mm-hmm. mate. I don't give a shit. In any case. Mm-hmm. Hey, we, 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 we went down a hole there, didn't we, mate? Um, no, not really. Um, I mean, the, the, as far as I can see, that there isn't, there isn't a hole to, like the 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 hole's been blocked up, um, and had some wooden crates piled on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to draw attention to uh, there was a bit in this episode of Doctor Who that made me feel nostalgic about a period of history I remember and how men and women used to inter- used to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it was quite surprising to see it. Um, and I started off by saying what you can do with good actors. Um, I'm still like sort of haunted by the spectre of bloody flux. Um, oh, and I was in such a good mood. Well. They're clearly the same television program. Like this, the the third episode of New Doctor Who that was ever broadcast, and the most recent episode of Doctor Who that was broadcast. But they're all. I mean, in terms of what they do, in terms of what they try to do, they're a world apart, aren't they? Mm-hmm. For all that I didn't like Flux, I can't quite stop thinking about it because <laughs> you know, I I can't remember if I said this while we were watching it, but it's it's got like this. Squire of Gothos characterization. Um, that's a that, 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 yeah, that, that Trek. That's that, uh, original series Trek reference for those that don't know. Space, a final frontier. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's written by someone who's observed human beings. Mm. Oh, yes. That's right. Yeah, um, but he doesn't real he doesn't realize that they're supposed to, he doesn't realize what they're supposed to smell like. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't replicate through a telescope. You can't replicate smell and taste, can you? Basically, and touch. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and nuance or body sure. language or emotion. Um, yeah. You watch this episode and dodgy statements about asylum seekers aside, which might even be just might even just be me. That mm-hmm. might even just be me. Mm. Um, it's it's full of adult actors playing adults who interact with each other as adults, mm-hmm. and the the fucking contrast between like that New Year special and this. Um, I think it's a more startling contrast than between any part of New Doctor Who and any part of Old Doctor Who. That's fair. That, that, that's fair comment, Doc. Yeah, you know. Do, do, do you remember like the, the, the language? They look like, oh, I fancy you. You know, all that yeah. kind of crap. Jesus, are we on the fucking playground or something here? This is ridiculous. Um, who, who, who are you aiming this at? You, you uh, bastard. There was a discussion between um, a mature woman and another mature woman mm. about a woman who is frankly old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the phrase was used, but like, how, how can I tell her that I like her? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just um, fucking tell her, you think bastard. Well, I, I, I've got to go back to your previous statement. Who is this written for? I know. Um, I, I mean, keep it, pre, keep it pre-romantic. I've mm-hmm. got no problem. I... 
there's all kinds of things that I love to bits that exist purely in 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 the pre-romantic realm. Mm. Um, I don't understand why Doctor Who has to be troubled by those kind of human emotions. Anyway, it's not like they're not dealt with elsewhere in in in, in culture and media. Sure. Um, or if you're going to have grown-ups interacting with each other, then have grown-ups interacting with each other, um, like in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 you know, this is the, um, you know, the the great hope that we have. Hope, you know, the great hope we have, hopefully, if that isn't redundant, for the return of RTD, that we will recapture this level of sophistication between grown-up characters, basically, Doc. Yeah. Um, something that I, I, talk, I always talk about in old Doctor Who, and particularly the works of Malcolm Hulk or David Whittaker, or something, and it's also something I got away from this episode, I took away from this episode, and I don't know what it is. I, I feel like what you're going to say is, well, it's just good writing. Mm. Um, but... I got the idea that during the course of this episode, we'd had a little glimpse into the lives of characters who are who who had a life before this episode started, and they're going to have a life afterwards. Um, watching Doctor Who probably from I think probably like twenty nineteen onwards, I never get the impression that they're anything but characters that have been cut from the whole cloth for the purposes of this episode. And when the episode is, I I feel like Mister Sneed will, will will continue to exist mm-hmm. um, after the episode is over, um, and in fact has had an existence up to this episode. Um, the closest modern Doctor Who has ever come um, is that lovely character actually in 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 Flux, who's the old scientist. Yeah, you liked it, did you? Um, Jericho, I think his name was it. I really like um, I really yeah. liked him, and I really mm. liked the writing of him for completely fucking with my expectations. Sure, I really, really appreciated being forced to reverse myself about that. That's um, good. But for all of the backstory and all of the background exposition, um, I never, I, I didn't get the feeling that that character had lived before we met him. Mm. I know he told us about stuff that he'd done. It's like in, it's like in Blade Runner, mate. where the the most advanced replicants have memories implanted in them and they believe they're their own experiences. Sure. Mm-hmm. When I was listening to Professor Jericho talking about his experiences in World War II, I thought to myself, Mr. Jericho, and I, I, thought maybe, I, I thought maybe this was a Blade Runner reference and I thought maybe he was going to be revealed to be an android or something. Because the, yeah. the way he was delivering the lines... And the character of the lines, I thought, I, I got your number. I got mm. your number, Mr. Jericho. You believe that those are your memories, but they're not, because you're you're talking about them in such a weird way. People don't... When people are talking about their own lives and their own experiences, they make little allusions to them. 
or they just bear the scars of them. Nobody sits you down and um, expounds in your face mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I suspected that was a signifier for the fact that there were implanted memories or they weren't his real, or there were stolen memories. In any case, that they weren't experiences that, that, that he'd really had. Um, can, can you get closer? You take a guess what it is about. You're, you're more of a writer than I am. Um, what, what is it about the, the, the two different styles of writing? I think Chris Chibnall, and I think it ties in with his fucking love of authority and, and the, mm-hmm. uh, the apparent desire to live under some kind of authoritarian control. Um, he, he, he kind of writes characters, and, and, and that Jericho example you're talking about, you know, you know when you see like a like a copper, um, but like but, but not like a like a boots on the ground copper. One of the one of the ones that's somehow kind of you got got to I don't know a detective whatever. Um, yeah, and they're talking about a crime situation, and they talk in this weird, really weird like off kilter manner. You know the. The, the, the subject was at the end of West Street and he decided to take a left turn. And at that point, it was decided that, you know, we, we, we would engage, we would engage our force. And, and the subject decided to um, increase his speed, talk in a way that nobody ever fucking speaks. You're talking about frequenting, aren't you? Well, Chibnall writes like that, man. Chibnall writes yeah. like that. And um, RTD era stuff does not. I, I, I think you're very, very close. I think mm. you're very, very, very... Um, here's something else, Chris Chib. Would Chris Chibnall have been able to keep the fucking coppers out of the story? Well, no, I don't think so. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, but you know, because it 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 it, it is demanding, like the boys in blue, like the peelers, isn't it? At this point, yeah, 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 yeah for sure, Doc. Um, yeah. To Doc, come in with come in with the little truncheons and start cracking some heads. Doc, we're in danger of running terribly long. Should we move on to uh, part three of the show? Yes. Commander, you are authorized to use the mind probe. What? No, not the mind probe. Welcome to part three of the show, which we call Not the Mind Probe. This is all about <laughs> politics and payoff and shit like that. Broadcast dates 9th of April 2005. Obviously, single episode, so just the one day. Uh, US film releases of note that week. Uh, fever Pitch. You don't have a cell phone, a Blackberry, a pager, nothing? No. What if some sudden crisis occurs, like your father has a heart attack or something? My father died two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I just found out this morning, so it's been a rough 24 hours. You know, maybe I should get a cell phone. That's a good idea. Lindsay Meeks has never met a guy quite like Ben. All right, Lindsay, so what's the matter with this one? I'm about to turn 2010, and instead of becoming more open and available, I'm becoming... Uh, is that Nick Hornby, Doc? Um, there certainly is a film based on a Nick Hornby book called mm, Fever I think Pitch. it's the same one. Yeah, I think it's the same one. And something yeah. called Sahara. For years I've wondered if the stories were true. And now I finally have the proof. You found a coin. I found the coin. At the end of the Civil War, a battleship carrying a secret shipment of gold vanished without a trace. Where in the hell did you get this? From the Niger River. In Africa. You got 72 hours. I'll meet you at the boat. Nope. I got the check. Sit down, I'll get the check. 
for Explorer Dirk Pet and his team. This is the place. So I've never heard of Sahara. Oh, fair enough. Um, UK number ones, just the one, of course. Um, is this the way to Amarillo? Is this the way to Amarillo? Every night I've been hugging my pillow. Dreaming dreams of Amarillo. And sweet Marie waits for me. Uh, Tony Christie featuring Peter K. Now, the problem is, Doc... We've got to dug ourselves a little trench here because this motherfucking track was at number one for seven weeks. Every time we do, <laughs> every time we do it's going to be this fucking song. Um, I, um, I think um, I will always love you. And everything I do, I do it for you. You know it's true. Everything I do, I do it for you. Oh. We're in the charts when there was no Doctor Who, so. Uh, oh, good. Thank God for we that. We don't have to go through those. Yeah, no, no, we, we, we caught in a time vortex with this one. Never mind. Um, are they zombies, Doc? Are they zombies? Yeah. Um, do you know what I think they are? Go on. Um, I think they're Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Go on. The Shang-Chi. This Chinese. Yeah. They're, uh, better known as Chinese hopping vampires. <laughs> um, in the 90s, there was a short but oddly influential craze for making films about Chinese hopping vampires, <laughs> of which Mr. Vampire is the best known. Um, and <laughs> what they are is animated corpses. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to hand over to Mo now. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ! So fucking... Oh fucking hell! Man. That was unexpected. Chinese <laughs> hopping vampire. Brilliant, Connor. Expound. <laughs> fucking hell, boy. <laughs> There's no way I can describe <gasps> the Chinese corpses. And typically, they come to life in a funeral parlour as a result of the correct um, rights <coughs> for the dead not being said over them. Um, and they stick both of their arms out in front of them and dangle their wrists listlessly. And they hop from one place to another. And some of them, if you turn around and stare at them, then they can't move for as long as you're staring at them. But... If well, you now, take your eyes off, isn't that interesting? If you, take your eye, if you take your eyes off them, they can move mm. really, really quickly and 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 get up behind you and, and drink your blood. Well, now isn't that interesting, Doc? That that you know, kind of being stared at and not being able to move because, of course, yeah, you can't just be... look at them. You you, you you have to transfix them with a, a, oh, a sort of steely glare. So it's not like so it's not like the angels, like the weeping angels. Um, no, no, no. 
okay yeah I, I, I think you actually like have to stare them down and make but yeah yeah definitely if you take yeah. your eyes off them then, then then they can move with incredible speed and get up behind you Got yeah. um yeah. and they they're always uh, the great thing about Shang Chi is um, they have, as you would expect, weaknesses and, and, and ways of stopping them. And one of them is to uh, attach a, a, a talisman with the word "dead" on a piece of paper to their forehead. Right. Um, but that can very easily be knocked off, and then they start fucking hopping around and having a go at you again. Um, Absolutely sensational. <laughs> um, as you. As you will know, if you've ever watched a Hong Kong movie, the most reliable way to defeat them... Can you guess what it is, mate? Um, hold on. Is it, is it alcohol? No, it's the Kung Fu the living <laughs> crap. Kung Fu the fuck out of him. <laughs> Kung Fu the fuck out of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. It's the other option in, in, in Japanese, <laughs> in Chinese Kung Hong Fu, Kong movies. Kung yeah. Fu the shit out of him. <laughs> Kung Fu the fuck out of him. Yeah, yeah great. Um, oh, mate. Um, oh, so honestly, that's, that's maybe last summer. <laughs> um, Sometime, I mean, if you haven't, then you should watch it anyway. But please do watch Mr. Vampire because it's 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 a wonderful, adorable, big-hearted, lovable film, um, in which Chinese hopping vampires get the living shit kung fu out of them. And, and, like right. who could ask for more? Honestly, honestly, Doc. So some of the stuff you come out with is. <laughs> Extraordinary, and, and and that's right at the top of the pile. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Doc, I was thinking about uh, a, a bit more, um, pres- a, a bit more prosaic. This one, I was thinking about. Um, there's there's a really really good episode of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation called Power Play from Series Five. Um, where planet does Worf, have, does, does Worf have problems bonding with the sun in this episode? No, no, fortunately oh. not. No, no, it's not one of those. Um, they beam to a planet, there's some kind of terrible storm, and three or four of, 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 of the member of the crew are rendered unconscious and they're beamed back up to the up to the ship. And it turns out they've been taken over by aliens, of course. Um, but these aliens, the, the the actual kind of effect that they use is very, very much like this this kind of spirit yeah. alien thing that they use in this show. And it's so close. I, 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 as I was watching it, I was thinking, there, there's no fucking way that the people making this were not riffing on, on that particular episode. I mean, that, 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 that must happen, have you, Doc, from time to time? Yeah. Um, I mean... I don't think it's out of the question that, well, uh, I think they're using a facilities house called the Mill for most mm-hmm. of their visual effects at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, I don't think it's out of the question that the ambitious young, well, the, 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 the ambitious lad who finished his education and got some investment and set up a digital effects facilities house in Cardiff, I don't think it's out of the question that he'd done his internship at ILM or something like that, do you? And let, and let me, no, you're right. And, uh, and let me tell you what, kind of what the denouement of that particular episode of Trek was. It was a swarm of aliens pretending to be much smaller than they were, trying to trick the Enterprise into let, letting them on board in, in order to kind of overwhelm them with their numbers. It, it, it's almost it's the same fucking plot. Look, yeah. I 
I've skipped most of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 5 because um, the episodes I watched had too much stuff about war failing to bond with the sun. But yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. actually know. And, so, so the effect um, and the plot, you know, you can see the, um, the, 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 there's lineage. That bit... Um, the obvious kind of antecedents for that particular scene is the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Marion, don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Marion. Don't look at it, no matter what happens. True. Yeah. Oh, um, no doubt about it. Yeah. 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 You know. If their faces, if their faces had started to melt, it would not have been a surprise, would it? No, um, yeah. I think it's a cultish enough reference. I think most most Kate Bush fans will be able to think of the video to Experiment Four. Some right. research for you to do. Wow, Experiment Four! What a fucking tune that is, Doc. One thing I thought during that scene, um, and of course it's seventy, like it's seventeen years old now. That episode is. The effects are, in a good way, the effects are charmingly shit, aren't they? But they are. But it, it works for me, Doc, because you know I'm a video gamer that regularly plays twenty-year-old video games. I just don't give a fuck about that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I really do, and um, I draw a distinct line between. Effects that look dated and shit, mm. and effects that look that have not so much dated as announced themselves unapologetically as a product of their time. Sure, um, it seems to me the late nineties and the early two thousands were a golden era for effects that I can't even remember how they looked then, but look fucking shit nowadays. Uh-huh. <laughs> Independence Day on mm. the telly probably about a year ago, and the effects in that are shocking. Really? I, I, I mean, like, considering that there were best of breed, and there's no doubt there were best of breed in the year that came out, um, and they're not dated in a good way. Yeah. Um, they look shit in the way that the visual effects from, let's say, Forbidden Planet yeah. or the 1957 War of the Worlds don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. It's funny you say that because I think they were notorious at the time for having like cheapest chips, special effects that kind of just about worked well enough oh, okay. to pass at the time. Um, okay. and, they, All right. and, and they were quite notorious for that. Yeah. Um, you know, because you know, Independence Day did not, you know, by equivalent movies at the time, did not have a big budget. And so they really? had to find. No, it did not. And so they had to find like innovative ways to achieve the visuals that they wanted to do on on, on kind of you know in terms of 
like the, the the grandeur and um, repute of the film was almost like a fucking micro budget doc. Oh goodness me! Uh, yeah. Then I need to uh, I, I need to reverse myself again. I I had an idea that that was a hugely budgeted summer blockbuster. No, no not at okay. all. No, I, I I think Independence Day maybe forty million when at the time okay. one hundred twenty hundred thirty was normal. And since we mentioned Raiders of the Lost Ark, another movie that's got shockingly dated special effects is um, The Last Crusade. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, there's a bit about halfway through where um, an aeroplane crashes, and um, it's a really, really obvious and bad and badly composited digital effect for mm-hmm. the actual explosion. And can I tell you something great, Doc, about this? Mm-hmm. That aeroplane that you're talking about... Is it, is, is it the one that goes into the tunnel? Yes. And and, and then you see that the, you, you've got, is it, is it Harrison or Sean Connery in the car? And then and then the German pilot looks across. That German pilot, sir, is my uncle. Is it now? It's absolutely my uncle. Yeah. Is that another, wow, is that a, 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 another one of his uh, confirmed uh, sightings? Absolutely right, yeah, mm-hmm. as an extra. He's got a few sightings. He's one of the legs on the bill. Um, but wasn't wasn't he Mel Gibson's ass? <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that. I can't remember that one. Um, yeah, the, 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 certainly the, the, the pilot in Indiana Jones. He's something in Batman. He's the legs in the bill at some point, um, like in the title sequence. It's his legs. Yeah. Um, he's naked George in the tall guy. Um, huh. Yes, he's, he's got a few. Yeah, that's, that's my uncle, Doc. You, 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 you made my heart swell just mentioning that scene. We're in this section. We're supposed to talk about socio-political things that are going on in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of um, uh, I had a bit of a case of uh, premature conjecturalization um, on this because I kind of shot my wad. It happens um, to us all, Doc. Don't worry. A bit too early. Yeah, I'm still scratching my head about that. I, I mean, I'm not going to come out and say. Um, I saw through you, you were clearly trying to smuggle neo-reactionary messages in under the cloak of Doctor Who, because mm-hmm. that's clearly what you... No, I, I, I don't think... I don't think he was trying to spread hate speech about asylum seekers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of those moments where I'm a little bit surprised that apparently nobody read that script. Nobody on sure. set, not the director, not anybody... Sure. Um, ...read that thing and thought, that you know... I need to talk to you about this because you you know what this looks like. Superficially, you know what this looks like, don't you? Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, Doc, on to reference. I think it's the Highlanders. Yeah. Gwyneth and Rose, their relationship, is that not kind of a lovely echo back to Polly and the Gypsy Girl? Kirsty. Yeah, Kirsty. Yes, absolutely. What do you think about that, Doc? There's a lot of these nice, sweet female friendships mm. throughout the history of Doctor Who. You picked on a really good one. 
you get a lot of them in the Trout Nero, and I'm not going to spoil it for you because you, you've, you've still got some of that stuff coming up. Um, <laughs> there's a really great one between um, Barbara and a girl called Jenny in the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Um, and it's... Didn't he call that the, the, the Dalek Invasion of Bedford last week? Yes. Yeah, 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 go on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the Dalek Invasion of Bedford. Because <laughs> um, that's actually what it is. Yeah, sure. Um, this is something else I, I need to bring up about this episode. Watching this episode really reminds or really makes me think that the 45-minute format has yet to find its feet or maybe it's never going to quite work out. There's so much in this episode that I wanted the chance to get stretched out over six episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I they're really just, they're, wanted... They've just got to cram it in, haven't they? You know? yeah. and, and that's why I think I struggle. And I, I think this is going to be like a constant point during the modern era. I really struggle to follow the fucking plots. I don't know what's happening half the time. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned the Highlanders, and then I mm. mentioned um, Dark Invasion of Earth. Mm. When we follow uh, Barbara and Jenny, or Polly and Kirsty, they're split off from the party and they're alone. Um, and you get the idea; it's several days or several weeks, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, this is, isn't it? You know, it could yeah. be any period of time. You, yeah. as the viewer, choose, don't you? Basically, um, but I mean, at the very least. Um, I think Polly and Kirsty have to somehow get from Culloden Moor to Inverness mm-hmm. um, by whatever means, um, and they have to walk. I mean, it, it, it's 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 a non-trivial jog. Barbara and Jenny in the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Um, I think they're split off from the main party, and uh, you you really do get the impression it might be months. Sure. Um, and so in the narrative space, you get these characters and you get these women who are learning how to rely on each other and learning how to trust each other and becoming proper friends over a period of, uh, I think, weeks or months, as opposed to the, what, four minutes mm. that Rose and Gwyneth actually get together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's a shame, and it really, really makes me wish that some of these stories, not all of them, but some of them could just have a little longer to grow. Well, the interesting thing is, Doc, the next Eccleston... Uh, episode is the first of a two-parter okay. now i suppose we need to decide what to do and maybe maybe we can kind of have, have an on-air production meeting now i think modern who two-parters we should treat as one episode basically in terms of the yeah. podcast because because well, it makes uh, no sense for our format does it to not wait 13 weeks to get back to it well, the, our general agreement is one story per week. One know, story, uh, that's it, yeah. The space between the the, the the narrative that happens between the beginning and the end. That's it. So the next time, actually, so the next time we loop back to Eccleston, we will then be tackling an hour and a half, basically, yes. which is classic classic who time, isn't it, basically? Yeah. I, 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 I'm really going to be interested to, to, you know, to see your interpretation basically based you know that is what you're used to for doctor who sure and now we're doing it in the modern era how does it compare and in theory <clears throat> the modern format the two times 45 minutes um that's that's the running time of an exploitation film from the early 80s um 
And of course, they don't have to deal with wrangling the script to take in an extra two cliffhangers, do they? Well, that's true. But and also, it's it's the running time of I don't know Revelation of the Daleks, for instance. You know, um, yeah. it, it's the same <laughs> model, isn't it? Really, um, Doc. Have we got much more to say, or are we? Um, I. I hope I didn't give anyone the wrong impression. I, I, I hope nobody thought I was trying to be a jeering lefty for the sake of it. Um, that thing came up out of the story. I noticed it and I couldn't not notice it. It didn't spoil my joy. I, I, I thought it was a great episode. I think yeah. it was a really great. Um, I mean, I'm willing to say the first really, really great episode. No, the first, not really, really great. The first great episode of the, of, of the new series. This episode you thought was the first great episode? Yes. Yeah? Wow. I'm surprised to hear you say that, Doc, because you're... I would suggest that your kind of description of Rose would have been much more um, likely to elicit that, that, that descriptor. The first half, the first yeah. half of Rose is amongst yeah. the best Doctor Who I've ever seen, ever, ever, ever. Yeah, wow, well, yeah. The last half falls off a cliff. Right. Okay. Uh huh. So, so um, this one has consistency too. Yeah, um, and, and so much so, um, I couldn't, I couldn't wait for Rose to be over, mm. and I wanted this to last for longer. Ah, that doc. Honestly, sometimes you come up with lovely, lovely, <laughs> lovely poetry, man. That's great. Yeah, and that, and that makes total sense. Yeah, that's wonderful. This episode for me, I just thought it was like. <laughs> It's all right, wore it. It's all right, wore it. You know, just one of those kind of bang average. Nothing special, nothing to get upset about. Um, I enjoyed the, like the, like the vague horror elements to it. Simon Callow, we never mentioned him, by the way. Um, you know, good to see like a, an old thesp in Doctor Who, because, you know, that's where um, they belong, isn't it? You know? After uh, the departure of Colin Baker, um, Simon Callow was who I wanted to be the Doctor. Ah, lovely. And and, and I could really see that. Um, and Paul McGann is almost like the, you know, like, like the, the second choice Simon Callow, isn't he, Doc? Um, I think Simon, Cowell, uh, Simon Callow was who you got if you couldn't get Paul McGann in those days. Oh, shit. Was it, was it the other end? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Um, right. When you get a chance... Um, watch any episode at random of Chance in a Million. I do remember that, you know. I haven't um, seen it since, but I remember it, when it was on TV. It was the thing, because I was only little and I didn't have very much imagination, um, I thought that was such a great sketch for a Doctor-Companion relationship. What was the setup, Doc? What was the premise of that show? I remember it, but I do not remember the premise. Um, <laughs> the premise is... Right. Because he was called something like Tom Chance or something, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah. Um, and it... It's one of those things that could only exist existed for a very, very short period in the 1980s. Um, and the plot is basically any absolutely bizarre coincidence that can befall Tom Chance will. 
All right. Um, and that's it. But that's that's the elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. It's this guy who is the victim of terrible um, coincidences all so, the time. So it's all it's always unfortunate to make it comedic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but what makes it stick out is the and it's now that I think of it in a comedy setting. The relationship has got exactly that. The relationship between him and Brenda Blethyn's character has got exactly the same quality, or many of the same qualities that we see with the Doctor and Rose at the beginning of this episode. Sure. Um, and she's a sort of, um, she's another one of these naive but knowing child woman characters um, who lives with her parents and who is seemingly comfortable with being infantilized by her parents and wants to break out of her shell and have interesting experiences um, and is not particularly sec- is not particularly classically beautiful but has a sexual potency that she doesn't realise at all and Simon Callow is a man who is very Tom Chance is a man who's very aware of the fact that he sits oddly with the rest of the world it's not that he's a terrible person it's not that he has terrible social skills but he's conscious of the fact that he's acting social skills and he's acting relationships with people and he doesn't really get it. <clears throat> and he's fundamentally a good person um, and he fundamentally always tries to do the right thing, but the wrong thing keeps happening to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that is a show that from time to time bubbles into my subconscious and I think, well, I need to... You know, kind of, I don't know, like find a fucking torrent of it or something, and, and yeah, watch um, it. It's it might be the most '80s program I can think of mm. because they will just do stuff that that makes no. That they'll just do stuff that seems to have no narrative point for any good reason. Um, there's a bit in one episode where, um, and it's not to prove, it's not to do anything. Tom Chance does something that he doesn't realise is a very effective display of machismo in front of someone who's trying to be... Th- and the comedy of the scene comes from the fact that the guys, the other guy is trying to be threatening. Tom Chance doesn't realise that he's supposed to feel threatened. And he replies in a way that's a very effective display of machismo. Mm-hmm. And he breezes away from the situation. Um, and the other guy is left there looking about two inches tall, but it's been done to him by a man who didn't even know that he was being macho. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I need to watch it, Doc. Doc, I think we're done, aren't we? We're kind of on a, we're kind of on a timeline. Today. Yeah, I want to talk about Chance and a Million. Now. I know, I know, but we'll do that as a spin-off podcast, you know. Um, I, I, I just need, there's just one more bit I need to mention. Go on, go on, go on. Oh, yeah. it, it just gives you an idea of like the other really really odd thing. There's a bit where Brenda Blethyn's character um, goes to someone's flat, and I can't remember why, and for no good reason, um, she takes off her coat and she's wearing nothing but very exotic lingerie, mm-hmm. um, and she spends the rest of the scene like that, even though the scene doesn't have any sexual or romantic content at all that's just how she's dressed right. in that scene mm-hmm. and it's not alluded to it's not mentioned afterwards 
it just happens and then it mm. goes away. Mm. Mm. I need to watch it, Doc. Um, it, 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 it is a show that for some reason has always been in my psyche, even though I haven't seen it since it broadcast. Please do watch it. And when you watch it, tell me if you think that, tell me whether or not you think that 13-year-old me was onto something when I thought that Simon Callow should have been I've got got no doubt that uh, Simon Callow would have made a a great doctor. He looks like a doctor. He's got the acting chops, for sure. Um, I don't don't think I need to watch that to to say definitively yes. And he's got that quality of being able to do discons... Not wacky or Mm -hmm. zany, but Mm -hmm. he's got that... Eccleston type quality of being able to do disarmingly odd in a like, way that you... I like the phrase off kilter. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. Because that, that is not whack. That is not zane. That is no. not quirk. No, none of those things. But just odd, offbeat. You know. Um, there's a great phrase, and I'm pretty sure this is um, one of the, uh, your man, Andrew Collins. Who used oh, yeah. this in um, in a review in the NME once, and it was, it was mm. talking about some frontman of some band, and I can't remember what band. And he said, um, in contrast to the poses you usually get, you get the impression that uh, uh, is a genuinely disturbed mind trying to pass for normal. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, and, and, yeah brilliant. And um, I think that's the distinction, isn't it? You get someone like Christopher Eccleston, um, and he's a, what he's able to bring to the performance is someone who is performing normal geezer mm-hmm. really really well almost all of the time yeah well because c- c- because he's an alien he's a, he's a fucking alien isn't he man he's a fucking yes. a- he's a fucking alien isn't he yes but he's got to pretend not to be most of the time and sometimes the mask slips yes yeah that's it doc doc and i'm it. done man i've got to go to bed no right? problems yeah I'm yeah. done. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of your face. <laughs> <laughs> right. See you next week. Hang on. Hang on, Doc. We've okay. still got to close the episode out, man. Oh, have we? Yeah, yeah despite my, my, despite my unnecessary aggression. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so I, I still have to keep fucking looking at you for the exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, that about does it for this episode of uh, Different Doctor SOS. Uh, join us next time, guys. Um, where we'll be talking about David Tennant's third story, which is Tooth and Claw. You're going to be there, Doc. I am. <laughs>